Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. And we're live. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Welcome I'm back. Also great. Good. Welcome back to me. Yes. I've made a guest appearance. I'm excited. I'm going to tell stories. Yeah. For the first time in a long time. Yeah. We're doing a listener's episode and we've got some really great stories lined up today, guys. Yeah. These are my favorite episodes to do, but it's just like they don't happen that often. Yeah. So I'm really excited we got one together. Hell yeah. We got to space them out a little bit. But hey, if you have been thinking about sending in a story... Let this be a sign, a reminder, if you will, to send in your story because no time like the present, right? Exactly. The universe is telling you right now. Send in your story. Send in your stories. (laughs) I I am the universe. I want to hear them. I want to share them. If you are willing to send me your stories and willing to have them shared, if you're comfortable, no pressure. But if you've got something that has happened and was a crazy story, as you know, we love to hear and share, then, hey, no time like the present, you know? Right. And for those of you who are new here, this is a listener's episode. And if you have something that you have survived or experienced or lived through, and you would like to write it out in an email, and in the subject line, write listener story, then send it to knowtodaypodcast at gmail.com. And you may just hear your story in a listener's episode like this. Maybe. And that will be so fun for everyone involved, right? Exactly. Because we love episodes like this. We do. Just like you said. I do. You do. We all do. But with all that said, should we just jump right in? Let's jump right in. Great. You guys are going to hear me tell a story. Hell yeah. Well, multiple. Multiple. But you're going to start. I'm going to (laughs) start. And Do you like copying every word I say? (laughs) It's just literally natural. (laughs) I think sometimes we're like two mirrors. I'm busting your balls. And you just love that. I do. Sometimes, you do. And, and you've you know always what? said that. And I've always said that. And sometimes I love pulling your legs. <laughs> what? What is it? Um, something about your chops. What? What do I do to you? Busting your chops. Busting I can't believe chops. you forgot that one. Long Island native. <laughs> Get out of here. All right. Tell me. Tell me number one. Do you really want to hear number one? I don't know. I can't hear you. Are you excited? Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> Please tell me it. <laughs> All right. Story number one. My name is Jamie, and my father escaped a serial killer. That is quite the title. That's an intro. That is an intro. Who was it? We're about to find out. I am a huge crime podcast, documentary, TV show, anything having to do with crime and survival nerd. So when my dad told me a story this past weekend, needless to say, I went down a rabbit hole of researching the shit out of who it could have been. I'll start with the story. In the late 1960s, my dad moved with his mom and brothers to Houston, Texas. On one of his first few days at a new elementary school, he forgot to remember his bus number and couldn't find it. As he was looking, the buses started to pull away and he was left standing there alone. He decided that it wasn't that far of a walk. He said that he was around nine at the time. So he started walking towards his house. As he was walking, he remembered there was a patch of woods he could cut through to get home quicker. Before he got to the wooded area, he got a feeling someone was walking behind him, so he turned to look. When he turned around, there was a man on the opposite side of the road walking down the sidewalk looking at the ground. My dad kept walking and periodically checking behind him and the man was still there, but never looked at him. Thank God he did not go into the woods. He got to a corner and walked across the road towards a gas station he saw. When he did that, the man crossed the road as well and kept following him. That's creepy as fuck. I know, I'm getting a little goosebumps here. Once he got close to the gas station, he ran inside and called his mom, but no one answered. He looked outside and the man was on the corner looking towards the gas station. That is so eerie. He decided to walk outside and continue trying to get home. When he got outside, the man got into a car at the stoplight and drove away. This made him feel a little bit better, so he started walking quickly down the sidewalk. And out of nowhere, also this is on a public, slightly busy street, the man jumped over a fence behind him and my dad started booking it, screaming as loud as he could. 
He said the man was getting closer and closer while he was running as fast as he could and clearly terrified. My dad saw a car coming his direction as he was running. It came up really fast and hit the sidewalk between my dad and the man. The lady driving the car had her daughter in the back open the car door and they screamed, get in, get in. Hell yeah. Of course, without hesitation, my dad got in the car and locked the doors. The man ran up to the car and started beating on the car. What the hell? My dad said they were all screaming in the car. The man stopped banging, walked up to the window that my dad was by, looked him in the eye, and pointed at him. That is insane. At this point, he got emotional and started crying while he was telling the story. I've never seen my dad cry like this. The lady took my dad to the gas station to call his mom. She did answer this time, but did not believe him. I think he said the lady did drop him off at home, but left after. That's insane. His mom didn't believe him. Do people just make this kind of shit up? Also, you had like a woman to corroborate his story. A whole adult woman was there and saved him. A whole adult woman, please. I mean, she drove her car onto the sidewalk. It's to not like she thought son. was nothing happening. That's Who would insane. do that shit now? Who would drive their car over the curb onto the sidewalk between two people? While a young kid is probably in danger. I mean, if you hit the curb wrong, you're going to run somebody over. Clearly, she thought that that situation necessitated that type of urgency. Of course. And she is old enough to be a mother. Yes. She's an adult. And had a kid in the back. Correct. She was. It was enough to risk her kid's safety it, and her safety. It must have been that his mother didn't speak to this woman and just talk to her son. Maybe, but I mean, fuck... But even you know? still, like, you should believe your kid. I mean, yeah. I'm sure he was very worked up over the whole thing. Like, your kid wouldn't be lying about that sort of thing in that, I'm sure, emotional state that he was in. Anyway, we're, we're getting ahead of we're ourselves. We're getting off track. Keep, keep going. I can't believe that that happened. Though. I know, that's super messed up. I lost my uh, I think I think he said the lady did drop him off at home, but left after. And then he said he just had to let it go. He said he just had to let it go because no one believed his story. And then they say, I know it was the 60s, but come on. I so agree. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, this is this is egregious. So a few years later, he said that he remembers being at his grandparents watching a football game when breaking news came on that a massive serial killer had been caught in Houston. And he said his jaw hit the floor. He started crying and screaming that that is him. That is him. Hoping his family believed him after all. After he told me I could not let it go, of course. I asked him if he minded that I dive balls deep into this because how could I not, right? I looked up serial killers in the late 60s to 70s in the Houston area and who I found was Dean Coral. I looked up the images of him and they're quite chilling. I showed my dad and he looked like he just saw a ghost. He never looked it up before, so he hadn't seen the guy or really thought about him until now. When I got home, I listened to numerous podcasts about the guy and did some online research. He fits the time frame, his family had a candy store across the street from an elementary school, and he had two teenage accomplices. Unfortunately, they don't know much about Dean because he was murdered by one of the accomplices in 1972. Dean killed up to 27 boys of a variety of ages. Horrid. That's awful. Also, since he was dead, that was all they could find from his accomplices. That does not include what he did before they existed to him. I called my dad and told him what I had learned, and I am so thankful to the lady, we now call my dad's angel, saved his life. Dean did some horrific things to kids, and I cannot be more thankful that it wasn't my dad. Thank you for taking the time to share my story, and as always, just keep breathing. Wow. I can't believe that his family didn't believe him. I know. That's insane. Even years later, once he recognizes the guy... Exactly. I was I was just looking back to see if they believed him after he pointed him out on the news because I feel like that's so many people's stories is like they have a close call with a serial killer and they don't know it's a serial killer and then years later they see them on the news and they're like, holy shit, I had an encounter with this person and then they learn about all the awful things they did. Yeah. I mean, it's just chilling to like have it just hit you all at once years later and it sounds like this guy didn't even make much eye contact with him it was like he was hunting him 
Well, he you absolutely know? was hunting him. He absolutely him. was. But also, what a bold thing to do to, like, chase a nine-year-old in broad daylight to the point where you're chasing him into a woman's car who is very blatantly, like, saving him to the point where she jumps a curb and, like, pulls him into the into her car. And you're still banging on the side of this woman's car and then you point at him? How does this person not care so much about being like seen doing such crazy aggressive behavior like i mean i guess that's not everyone's like thought process who's like doing crazy terrible things but if you're a serial killer don't you not want to get caught like that seems like you want to get caught behavior right uh i have no idea it's just insane (laughs) it's like insanely bold to just be like very blatantly like i'm gonna get you little boy yeah on a semi-busy street right exactly like what the hell anyway i'm so glad that your father did not get taken by this insane man like what the hell and i'm so sorry that his family didn't believe him like that must have caused a lot of emotional turmoil that like nobody in his life believed him clearly still affects him of course how could it not just really sucks and the fact that you looked up this person's photo and showed it to him all these years later and it still had such a like visceral effect on him like how could it not you know i mean that's such a formative age yeah so scary anyway thank you so much for sending the story i'm so glad your father's okay right anyway on to the next this story is from adrian i've been an og listener from the beginning thanks for your commitment to the weekly episodes thank you for saying that and Thanks also, for your commitment. Yeah, I was going to say thank you for your commitment for listening from the beginning. That is very brave. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I won't even go back and listen from the beginning. <laughs> no, no, I I'm will not. I'm scared. I won't even go back and listen to my favorite episode. <laughs> I'm scared to do that. Let's keep going. I'll preface this with this is a long one. I'm Canadian. I live in northern Ontario near a border town to Michigan. Shout out. Slay. This province is huge. If you didn't know, it takes more than two days to travel across it from one end to another. I live somewhere in the middle. Here, it's possible to drive hours without a town or a gas station. This story takes place roughly three hours away, driving, from any kind of civilization. Also, I should mention, here we judge distance by time, not kilometers or miles. So do we. (laughs) Yes. My partner and I were going backcountry camping together for a week, which involves driving three hours and canoeing approximately an hour or two, depending on wind and weather across a lake in the middle of the wilderness. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty metal. We are both outdoors experienced campers, so this, hard to believe, is what we do for fun. About three days into our stay, he proposed, and we were elated because we've both had a hard go at life, but this was certainly a wonderful chapter to embark upon. Congratulations. Congrats. However, day two of this chapter was quite the opposite of wonderful. It was terrifying. On day one of our trip, we set up our tent and realized we brought the wrong one. Not all tents are made the same. This one was for summer. And it was the middle of September in the boreal forest where it could rain, snow, hail, or be summer weather within every hour of a day. This tent had no water barrier, meaning if it rained, we'd be up Schitt's Creek. There's also very, very sparse internet access, and when we were able to get a signal, the weather still continued to look promising. Back to day four, the day after we got engaged. The morning was lovely, cloud-covered, weather we deemed perfect for stew and cards under our picnic table dining area that had a tarp overhead. Our setup was pretty dialed in, only downside being it was on a tiny rocky island, and our tent was on the only spot that wasn't a hill. Around three, it started to downpour. Normally, that wouldn't matter. We'd stay under the tarps, or go in the tent and just buckle down, and have a cozy day, despite the rain and the cold about 15 degrees Celsius or 59 degrees Fahrenheit. It wasn't just a light rain. It was a thick curtain of rain coming down like closing time in the theater. That's when we noticed the waterfall cascading down the hills surrounding our tent. We had a tarp underneath and on top, but that didn't stop the water from forming a baby pool inside our tent. Our air mattresses were floating, no joke, which wouldn't have happened if A, we brought the right tent, 
B, we stayed anywhere else but this beautiful, albeit horrible, little island. We had to really make some hard decisions based on safety versus risk. Our two choices were, one, find a way to set up our hammocks under a tarp and pray the wind didn't come sideways and soak us, and leave first thing in the morning, or two, pack up our campsite as quickly as possible and GTFO, or get the fuck out of there. I'm going with GTFO. Except at this point, we knew we wouldn't be able to set off until dusk in a canoe, in the rain, in the middle of nowhere at that. It's not something anyone should do, regardless of experience. I knew I'd be fine to spend the night because I've got some natural winter layers. In parentheses, fat. I've got some fat. (laughs) (laughs) But my partner did not. He got cold very easily, very quickly, and I knew the hammock situation would be miserable for him. So I agreed, let's go. Now, I don't want to interrupt this story with this next bit of info, but it adds context to how much anxiety I have about doing this. In 2018, I lost my husband of 10 years to a drowning accident. It was a very terrible, traumatic, intense story to which I did years of therapy just to deal with the PTSD. I am so sorry to hear that. That is awful. We worked at a remote fly-in fishing camp with our kids. He set off one day on a boat. He fell off of the boat. He drowned. He was missing for 36 hours. The first 18 or so hours, we had to search for him ourselves, me and my employers, before the search and rescue could help. It was a fucking nightmare that really messed me up. Part of that healing was making peace with my relationship with water, boats, and being anywhere near, in, or on. Oh my god. That is a nightmare. It makes complete sense how much stress is around this canoe trip. Of course. Absolutely. That's a nightmare. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. So this afternoon, my anxiety was high. I mean, one degree away from being debilitating. My partner knew this, and we discussed how if we waited until morning, we would be exhausted, wet, and the weather could worsen. So, unfortunately, this was the better choice. My stipulation was there could be no erratic, anxious rush of packing. It had to be done at a quick but consistent and relaxed pace, or there's no way I'd get on that canoe. We packed up in good time. He kept his own, I'm sure plentiful, very real, very valid, anxieties to himself, and I went into a meditative trance whilst packing to calm my mind. That's great. That's a very good partner. He was able to just rein it in and let you be... Shut up. Let you be what you needed to be. And that's very great. Sometimes it is time to hold it in instead. Sometimes it is. this is the time to do that. It is. We set off at dusk in the rain. Our canoe had approximately 200 pounds of gear plus the two of us. Very heavy, but packed well and safely. The water was black like oil. The sky clouded over with enough light to follow the silhouettes of trees. We both were very familiar with this lake and were able to orient ourselves fairly well just using the hill lines. It wasn't raining hard, but it was foggy because the water was still warmer than the air. Night fell quickly and that's when things went sideways. We both have headlamps, but neither of us have paddled at night in these conditions. We didn't know that because of the fog and the rain, our headlamps would refract and would make each other completely blind. I mean, blind. So we had to alternate. When mine was on, he could see, but I couldn't, and vice versa. A true test of teamwork. Wow, this is incredibly... High stakes. High stakes. And then it's also on the weekend that you propose. Yes. You know. Very. It's like, this is a real test. How well have you done? Right. Exactly. Yeah. A true test of teamwork for sure. I spent the entire time thinking of what to do if we hit a rock, capsized, or got lost. I ran scenario after scenario. Having a plan calmed me. He, on the other hand, refused to hear a plan B. His mindset was paddle. Don't plan to fail. We will make it. We are different people that way. It was about an hour and a half of paddling. Our rain gear soaked through entirely. Thankfully, it wasn't raining hard enough to need to bail out the canoe. We had some service and double-checked our route when we could, and we were doing well. We remembered this isn't a circular lake we were paddling across. 
It's a long rather than wide lake called the North Arm that connects to a main lake by a small opening of the forest slash rock landscape. But we had to find it and make it through a giant boulder garden, and we thankfully did, but ended up getting perched on one of the boulders before we managed to release ourselves without tipping over. Normally, it's avoided by the spotter at the front directing the back person who steers away from it. So we made it through the North Arm, the Boulder Garden Thruway, traversed between and around many other islands, but that's when I started to get hypothermic. Word. Like, of course. Of course, yeah, it never ends. Because you can't just get around a bunch of boulders and, like, islands. You have to also get hypothermic. Normally, even when it's negative 40, I don't feel cold. (laughs) Okay, flex. (laughs) Flexing on us right now. I'm built for the north. But wet and cold, I found my weakness. That makes yeah, sense. 100%. The worst weather is 40 degree Wayne. <laughs> 40 degree Wayne is the worst. I agree. 40 degree rain is the worst. And I feel like if you live in Seattle, you know what I'm talking about. It's the worst. Yeah, or it's just anywhere time. where it's cold and it rains. It sucks. But it rains all the time. Yeah, no, for sure. It sucks. My legs and arms were shaking uncontrollably and convulsing my teeth chattering, and my hands were dropping my paddle. I used a bandana to wrap around my wrist and paddle so I didn't drop it into the water. We had been paddling for an hour, taking turns being completely blind. Oh yeah, because there's also that. There's also fog. No stars, no moon, just ink black. The person without the headlamp could see about 10 feet ahead, and the person with could see about one foot ahead. We were both exhausted having paddling at full power, We stayed close to shore, but that came with its own risk of running aground or pulling a titanic on a rock or deadhead. About two hours or so in, my feet, legs, and hands were numb. I was shaking and had full body spasms. He was too, but adrenaline served him a lot better than I. We had to stop because we were lost. We knew we should have been at the parking lot by now, according to what we recognized, familiar tree marks, islands, and turns. We had a map, but no way of knowing where we were on the map. The tension was high. We were snapping at each other, out of fear, anxiety, and not out of annoyance or anger. I saw something white in the distance, but thought it was a white rock. I could barely make it out. We'd take turns giving each other vision. I was getting upset. I knew I saw something, but he was convinced it was nothing. Five minutes came and went, and I used my stern mom voice and told him, there's something over there. He paddled, steering in the direction I was giving him. It was indeed a white reflector from the parking lot. We both teared up in relief. I don't know if I was more afraid of dying, being lost and dying, having my family go through someone being in that horrible predicament again, losing my partner, my children being orphaned, or being utterly pissed we made this choice, this decision that could have cost us our lives or required us needing emergency help. (laughs) Yep, that's a lot of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty. We emptied the canoe into the truck and packed up the canoe, stripped off our clothes and rain gear, and got into dry ones, and cranked the heat, and drove the three hours home. We vowed not to tell our mothers, because they would have killed us knowing what we did. Hopefully mom doesn't listen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Hi, mom. Hell, I'm a mom, and I know how it would feel. So we didn't die. We didn't get totally lost. We didn't capsize or tip. We didn't go missing, and we didn't drown. But damn, I do feel like we survived. Oh, you did. Oh, you survived. Y'all were hypothermic and not sure where you were. Oh, you could have died many times. Yeah. I just want to take this last moment as a PSA. We were wearing life jackets. Never do we ever go on a canoe, regardless of weather, experience, water temperature, or ego without one. My late husband died in a preventable workplace accident. He was not wearing a life jacket. It was a warm summer's day. The water was warm. He was a decent swimmer. Where he fell off the boat was actually not far from shore. He could have swam. But he was wearing tall, tight-fitting hunter's rain boots, and they, as we speculate, drowned him, as when they get wet inside, they act as suctions. He was able to release one foot, but not the other. With a life jacket, he would have lived. We used boats every single day, all day, second nature. We swam all the time. 
but experience and it'll never happen to me attitude can kill you, my friends. So please always wear a life jacket. Demand your stubborn dad who goes out fishing alone to wear it. Give shit to your friends you see on the gram who don't wear one. It could happen to you. You wear one. Trust me, when the best case scenario is finding your body, your family member, your friend because you didn't, you'd understand. Thanks, guys. Sorry it got dark, but eh, keep breathing. Yeah, I mean, I totally understand. Hell yeah. Oh my god, Adrian. That was insane. Intense. and Thank you for sharing. Even before your survival, just so much darkness and emotion. Absolutely. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Yeah. But... Oh my gosh. I mean, when you said a true testament to teamwork, you were not kidding. Like, you guys really had to make it work. So, I think if you can make it through that, I think you can probably get married. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I was <laughs> like, I, I I feel like uh, you guys are bonded. Yeah, right. right. Well, trauma bonds are very <laughs> trauma real. Trauma bonds, but, man. But also, I, I feel like if you can teamwork through something as intense and high stakes as that and not have it be so terrible i mean it was so terrible but not because of their teamwork you know like right like that was that was the pretty pretty good system they had there yeah i want to hear the reception speeches for yeah, this right. wedding <laughs> yeah how was how was that follow up and let us know what uh what was said at the wedding yeah for real <laughs> all right moving on story number three Thank you for hosting a fun podcast that is often the only one my husband and I can agree upon. Hell yeah. Well, that's a pretty good compliment. I love that. I'll take that. We especially love the stories of people surviving against the odds in the wild. I come from Anchorage, Alaska, where there are plenty of local stories like that. My own personal story is one that I love to tell because it's the scariest brush with wildlife that I've ever had and no one ended up hurt. At the point the story begins, I had lived in Alaska for a year or so, and I was trying to get my sister and her boyfriend to move up as well. They were visiting during one summer, so I was showing them all the most beautiful sights that I could, which is not difficult because summer in Alaska is magical. We had been hiking every day and had seen from a respectful distance just about every wild animal you can see from hiking trails behind Anchorage. The one that was surprisingly eluding us was the moose which if you ever lived in Anchorage, you know that moose are everywhere. They block your driveway when you're trying to go to work. They eat your jack-o'-lanterns before trick-or-treaters can get to your porch. They even wander into buildings on occasion. That's insane. Could you imagine going to work and the first thing you see when you go inside the door is a fucking moose? I've never seen a moose and I don't know that I ever want to because I aren't they just absolutely gargantuan? They're brick houses. They're huge. Yeah, they're okay, big keep they're going. big boys and gals, you know? <laughs> I just feel like they would look at you. It would just be like kind of like a you dinosaur. Walk, you walked in on something, you know? <laughs> you're like, that oh, look, you're like, like I oh, shouldn't be here. Like I should, yeah, I My should bad. go. I should go. Um they're like the feral cat of most cities. So it was pretty unusual that we hadn't seen one. Well, on the day in question, we were hiking the Turnigan Arm Trail, which is an easy flat trail on a steep mountainside with incredible views. My sister's boyfriend made the remark that I can't believe we haven't seen a moose yet. When not 30 seconds later, we round a corner and just about bump into a baby moose with its mama. Uh-oh. Not good. We were so close we could have reached out and petted this little guy. My sister and her boyfriend were so excited they paused to take their phones out for up-close pictures of the encounter, but I know better. I yelled, run! as loud as I could, as moose can be deadly when put in these positions of protecting their young. As I feel like most wild animals can be when yeah. they're young or involved. It is not time for the gram fam. No. It is time to get out of there. Time to GTFO, baby. Yeah. The three of us and my dog, on leash, thank God. Seriously. Turned, yeah. Turned around and ran as fast as we could when we noticed that the mama moose started chasing after us. We ran as long as we could through the forest, but we were unable to leave the trail due to the terrain, which was steep mountainside and lots of devil's club. A painful, prickly plant on either side. After what felt like a mile, it was much less, I am sure. We stopped to gather our breath and turn around to see Mama is still coming. She wasn't sprinting because I am sure she would have caught us, but she certainly was charging aggressively at us. We turned around and kept running. <laughs> We stopped after a few bends in the trail and looked behind us. She's still charging. 
We tried again to get away. I think after a few sprinting sections, we finally think she has slowed down. We gather our wits, talk about how close that was, and we continue hiking away from her. The second we start hiking away, I can see further up the trail through a bend and a break in the trees, and there, waiting on the other side of that bend, is a black bear mama with her cub. Are you fucking kidding me? No joke. We were in an absolute panic. Behind us somewhere was still this pissed off mama moose and baby, and in front of us is a black bear mama who so far didn't seem to care that we were there. I'm sure she knew we were, though. We also could not leave the trail due to the aforementioned terrain. We were surely in a predicament. Our plan was to stay put. We stationed one person on one side pointing bear spray towards the bears and another person pointing bear spray the other way toward the moose, with the third person and my dog in the middle. I have no idea how long we stood like this, but it felt like half an hour or so. We finally felt safe enough to continue, but then we had to discuss and decide which way felt safer. <laughs> Oh my god, how do you even begin to choose? I don't know. We chose the direction of the bear because she was walking away from us and truly didn't seem to care that we were there. We made it back to the car, had a great story to tell, and my sister and her boyfriend moved up to Anchorage soon after. Okay, they were undeterred. <laughs> They're truly a different breed. Can you freaking believe? Like, what can be worse than... Stuck between a moose and a bear place? Like, <laughs> are you... That is the most Alaska story, I think, you can get i mean what are you doing i feel like i just like, like sit and how, give up what is my like, choice my pants yeah you're stuck between a bear and a moose what do you do not just stuck between a bear and a moose you're stuck between a mama bear and a mama moose yeah mama moose was bothered mama moose was chasing them for like miles yeah i don't I think they did what was the right call. I think they just stay put with their bear spray on either side and then you just wait and see what the fuck happens. Yeah. Like, there's no real way to know, like, what's going to happen. You just have to see what animal is going to react the least aggressive way. Yeah, I mean, Mama Bear seemed like she was at inner peace or something. She was just unbothered. <laughs> she just by came the whole back situation. from yoga. She was pretty zen. Truly right yeah i mean she seemed unbothered you know she was centered that which is morning honestly shocking i feel yeah. like the most aggressive i would think would be a mama, a mama bear ba yeah classic a mama black bear with her yeah. cub i think i would be more more threatened by the mama bear but then again a mama moose would be huge and scary and i think moose are bigger well they're definitely bigger no doubt about that yeah and being charged by a moose would be really really horrifying so yeah shout out to the zen bear but um <laughs> shout out to the we're zen so bear. glad that you're okay yeah i'm and really that you all ended up living together in alaska yeah it's also very funny to me that you guys that your sister and her boyfriend moved to anchorage it's after that such a like great cherry on top of the story i know <laughs> so funny you guys obviously made the right calls yeah who are we to say what the right move is i don't know we're just, but it's fun to judge, you know. I would, but I'm just saying I would just poop, you know. Oh, I would absolutely I have no, poop. I would nothing better to do. My leggings soiled, no, <laughs> no doubt. That's what I would do. That's the way more realistic uh, answer. True. Well, the story ends by them saying, "Keep up the good work, Aaron." Thank you, Aaron. You keep up the good work. Yeah. Shout out, Aaron. Keep dodging them moose. <laughs> yeah. All right. On to story number four. This one is a ghost story. And I specifically wanted to read this one because I felt like the way this person wrote it, I felt a connection to it. I was like... You felt seen. I felt like Angela and I are one. <laughs> all right, let's... So I was like... See what's up. This is very, this is very good. Um, all right. Hey, Steph and Alex. Hey, Queen. I wanted to start off by saying I love your podcast. Thank you so much. I binged it from new to old in the last two weeks. <laughs> Damn, girl, oh what have you been doing? God damn. <laughs> and hearing how far y'all have evolved in such a short time is amazing. Wow, thank you. I also have developed a new fear of the ocean and will not be boarding any boats anytime soon. Well, sorry, but Re relatable. also valid. Yeah. Relatable news. Okay. My story is more of a spooky paranormal experience as opposed to an actual life or death situation. A few years ago, my partner at the time and I decided to move in together. 
We toured a couple of apartments, but the only one in our price range was this little white house on an iffy side of town. I immediately knew, when I saw it, that something was off. There were these weird mechanisms on the door to put a piece of wood or something through them, presumably to make it harder for someone to break in, but it gave the house a dungeon feeling. Along with this, there was also a small fenced-off area in the backyard where the grass was dead, except for a portion that was about five feet long and two feet wide. Um, That's weird. (laughs) I wanted to nope the fuck out of that place the moment I saw that weird only green patch, but my partner assured me I was just being paranoid. That shit is a body. That's, yes, right? You would think. To complete this creepy little abode, there was an obviously homemade basement with rickety-ass stairs and weird dark stains on the walls. The landlord said he didn't know what the stains were, but we were welcome to paint over them if we wanted to. Wait, what color? Just weird. They didn't specify- What kind of stains? They just said weird stains. Aren't people legally obliged to say, like, if some shit has happened in the house? Weird dark stains. Um, I think it's only, like, a few years. They're, like, they only have to tell you if it's been a few years. But don't you think the stains would have been dealt with by that time? Not necessarily. I'm skeptical. Well, they, like, waited two years just to rent out the house? (laughs) Maybe, right? Uh, the landlord said he didn't know what the stains were, but we were welcome to paint over them if we wanted to. Oh, I said that. Yeah, right. It also had one of those door locks where you had to push the doorknob instead of having a visible lock and was made to be locked from the outside. Excuse me, what? The main door? The basement lock. The basement door locked from the- Yeah, some shit has happened in this house. (laughs) The way I absolutely felt chills when I stood in that basement. The hairs on the back of my neck still stand up when I think about it. Anyway, fast forward through a lot of debate and conversations, we decided to move in. The first night we were there, I heard footsteps in the attic, to the point where I called the police, because I was convinced there was someone in my attic. The police looked around everywhere in the house, except the attic, and absolutely refused to go in the basement. Elameo, I couldn't blame them. Even the cops are like, no? (laughs) Even the cops are like, um... No, thank you. Mm, No. For the next few days, everything was quiet, and my partner convinced me that the footsteps was just an animal and that this house was safe. Spoiler alert, things got weirder from there. I ended up getting laid off, which was fine because it gave me some time to be at home with my son, who was five at the time, while I looked for a new job. Over the next few days, I started noticing that every day at 9am, the same bird would fly into my son's window, which was directly above the weird green patch, for 10 minutes and then leave. Each time it would hit the window three times before backing up and hitting the window again. Um, what the fuck? Every day? That's what what she said. Weird. It's also funny because I feel like if this, if this happened to me, I would have written this the exact same way. Yeah. <laughs> I just love this. We didn't end up painting the walls in the basement, but we did move some small furniture in there and decorations and turned it into a playroom for my son. That's, wow, okay. <laughs> that's bold and a little fucked up, honestly. You're terrified of the basement and you're like, you know what? Little Tommy can go down there and play with Legos. (laughs) It's honestly funny. So Christmas came and went, and as any parent knows, there were a lot of toys that made noise. Which I didn't mind until we started waking up in the night to hear those toys going off while our son was sleeping. No, Excuse me? Dude, like all of the buttons that can be pressed on toys that would be like ah time to play no literally oh my god to hear that at 3 a.m that's exactly right i would burn the house down and leave right i don't care that i don't own it exactly they have insurance so at this point we had also found some weird old religious pamphlets titled panic at the prom warning parents about the evils of secular world and prom promoting them I was convinced we were living in a serial killer's former home. I forgot to mention we got some mail from a previous tenant that came from prison? Question mark, question mark. I was ready to hop on the hell no train to fuck that'sville after the third one showed up. So they got they kept getting mail from prison. 
from like the Wait, o- for like the old tenant from prison or like for the tenant who was in prison it says we got some mail from a previous tenant that came from prison they got multiple pieces of mail from prison why are they sending it if they know that the person is in prison i don't know seems big dumb but they they kept getting pieces of yeah mail. no i'm out yeah i'm out by the way i'm not signing the lease oh they all they're already in the lease i know i'm just saying i would have been out ages ago well yeah but they're locked in a lease i know so one day while i was alone i heard a canvas fall off the wall nope at first i wanted to poop my pants but as i normally wear dresses that wasn't an option (laughs) yes it is just shit on the floor shit on the floor (laughs) fam shit on the floor there's a the dress has an open bottom for a reason right that's the reason to let That's like where am i going with this to let the shit hit the floor <laughs> i mean do you have a better explanation yes maybe me that okay i also remembered that spirits feed off your energy so i quickly calmed myself and said out loud okay captain crunch settle down there <laughs> <laughs> captain crunch they said, you sound like a like a third grade teacher <laughs> yeah right they said serial killer serial I don't know why (laughs) they said that came to mind in the moment, but I went with it. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah. I saged the house and told my partner when they got home about the weird encounter, at which point he also told me that he heard slash felt weird things when he was at home alone and was regretting moving into this house. Um, you think? We ended up getting a dog to help us feel more safe. Plus, who doesn't love having a doggy around the house? Except that they bark at the corners. Well, they were trying to feel more safe, and I understand. I get it, but... So, one of the first things our dog did in the backyard was go to the weird green patch of grass. Do dogs fucking know, dude? I don't know why. And he found a crawl space that led under the house. He would bring random shoes, never a matching pair, out from under the house. Dude. I hated that. Whose shoes were they? Why were there so many shoes under the house? And why did we move into this creepy ass ghost house? That really sounds like some serial killer shit where they like Bro. kept a kept a like reward or like a a trophy. A trophy and they like only kept one shoe of like the person they killed. Oh, you know? Oh god. So scary. That was my first thought when I read this. Over the time we were there, he brought approximately five different shoes out from under the house and not a single matching pair. He also hated the basement and refused to go back in the area of the house where it was and would occasionally growl at the door. Wow. That's yeah, how I you mean, know. the dog knows. That's how you know some evil shit is down there if he literally won't even go near it and is growling at the door. Like, yeah. that's that's messed up. I'm thinking like maybe you, we should have like a rent-a-dog service to check out the house. <laughs> rent-a-dog right? to see if your house is fucking haunted? Yeah, I mean, put him to work, you know? <laughs> I mean, if the dog is growling at a door and bringing shoes, I'm out. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Right? I mean, because dogs, like I've said multiple times in this story, dogs know. Sharks? They just, sharks, I have a business. I come to you today right? with an idea. 200000 for 10%. Sold. Okay. Sold, done. Thank you. Okay, let's keep going. So at this point, weird little things have been happening for months. My son was finding it harder to sleep, mumbling could be heard from the kitchen, and toys were still going off in the basement until we moved them back upstairs, which is insanely scary. So they would literally go off until they were brought upstairs. Dude, I'm what the hell? nailing that door shut. Yeah. To help my son sleep, we started turning on rain sounds on our smart TV and leaving his door open at night so he could hear them. After a few days of this, my son asked me to stop turning on the TV at night because the monster talks to him at night. Bitch, are you kidding me? Is what she says. Whoa. He didn't have to tell me twice. The next day while I was in my bedroom and my partner and son were in the living room, I hear a commotion. I don't think much of it because my child plays loud and I was full on dissociating to find some peace. Okay. Straight up. Word. Next thing I know, my son bursts in the room and tells me that someone pushed my partner down the stairs. When I asked him what he was talking about slash who did it, he replied very frankly, I don't know. You have to find out. Whoa. 
do I look like a motherfucking Ghostbuster to you? I'm not going down there. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. Wait, how old is your son? I don't know. Like, could you imagine saying that sentence matter of factly with no stuttering, just immediately to like a four year old? I don't think she actually said that to her son, but like, it would be hilarious. It would be hilarious, but this is just her inner dialogue, I'm assuming. I know. My partner made it back up the stairs and thankfully only had a minor concussion that he later went to the hospital for. It wasn't funny at the time, but now that he's my ex, I laugh about it. LMAO. Oh, God. Wow. Okay, T. There's a story there. At that point, we started looking for a new place to live and were fine with breaking the lease because fuck all that. The yeah. final... The final straw that broke the camel's back was when I went to wake my son up and noticed that he had stacked a backpack, a toy bag, and some stuffed animals, and a chair on top of his toy box while most of his toys laid around it. I asked him what that was about, and he didn't want to tell me, but after some comforting and prodding, he finally told me that his Joker action figure quote-unquote played with itself, and it was scaring him. Normally, I would think he was joking or imagining things, but the way he started screaming, please no, please no, please no, when I went to open the toy box had me fully convinced he was scared of that toy. I immediately threw it away, and as I brought it out to the dumpster, I said again, quit your shit, Captain Crunch, that's my fucking kid. From then on, I would sage the house, speak affirmations over my son at night to help him feel safe, and told my partner we were moving, and he could stay with a ghost that paid no rent or come with us. Thankfully, we were able to find an apartment in a few weeks and put that creepy home behind us. I will never forget the six months of pure bone-chilling terror of living in that weird-ass house. That's my story of how I survived a paranormal encounter and made fun of a ghost while doing it. I hope y'all have a great night and just keep breathing. Yeah. Angela. Wow. Yeah. How about nah? Yeah. Nah. Yeah. That's a big old is... nah. Mm-mm. Like, I also, it seems like we got a little hint of why this didn't work out. Like, he didn't want to move <laughs> yeah, after that's all insane. of that. He got pushed well, down the stairs, let's, dude. Let's not, let's not speculate on their I'm relationship. I'm sorry. I just, I go there, you know. <laughs> What did she say? You can stay in a house with a ghost that doesn't pay rent yes. or we can leave. Yeah, pretty much. You know, if you're at the point you're saying that, he probably didn't want to go. Um, yeah, maybe. You um, know, and yeah. fair enough if it was because of money. But I mean, what more do you need? Yeah, that's I mean, that sounds like some really scary stuff that was happening. Yeah. I mean, to the point where someone literally got pushed like down a stairs and he had a concussion because of it yeah like, physical that's... injury starting is a no 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 you hear like mumbling in the kitchen and you and your son's seeing weird shit yeah i mean kids seeing ghosts is like pretty normal i think but also like in a house like this that's really terrifying yeah (laughs) it's like kids and dogs they just yeah kids and yeah for sure they love them they kids and dogs they love that shit i know no but her kid like stacking all of his toys and in a chair on top of that toy because it was screaming no yeah really reacting to it clearly some really scary shit was happening with his like toy and like her kid was clearly seeing some really scary things yeah which is sad I know, so sad. Poor kid. I know. Hope they turned out all right. I'm sure. Know? I'm sure. Like, I'm I'm sure at that age, like, you don't really remember much, but, like... You might. Oof. I mean, if you're screaming, please no. Yeah, I mean, right? Cut um, the shit, Captain Crunch. It's, yeah, Enough. seriously. I'm glad they got out of there after, like, only a couple months, but, like, oh, my God, that sounds that so like half scary. like a year, queen. Yeah. Not a couple months. Well, a couple months. You know. Anyway, they're out of there, so it's fine. All right, number five. Mambo number five. You better cut that. I'm going to keep that. All right, fine. All right, Mambo number five from Catherine. Um, (laughs) Double down. Double down. (laughs) Hey, Stephanie and Alex. First off, your podcast is awesome. Thank you. Okay, full legal name. Am I in trouble? (laughs) I have an hour commute and you guys get me through rush hour traffic. I can relate. Yes. I was listening to the listener episode about the gal who was threatened by a guy with a knife in her gym parking lot and was floored how crazy stuff can happen even in the most public places. So true. And then I remembered I have a story like that too. My story takes place in Seattle in late March of 2020. 
I was 24. My sister and I had to make a quick trip to Walmart, the greatest of establishments. Once we got to the store, I grabbed what I needed and headed to the checkout. My sister said she would go look at something while I checked out. I had forgotten to bring my phone, so we made a plan to meet at the entrance in a few minutes. Little did I know that something would happen in the 10-ish minutes we were separated. I was in line to check out and felt someone standing very close behind me. COVID was in full swing at this point and people were mindful of staying six feet apart, so immediately I sensed that something was wrong. I heard a man's voice say, excuse me, and I turned around to see a heavyset middle-aged man. I am generally not a paranoid person, but as soon as I saw him, I did not like his vibe and was very wary of him. Once he had my attention, he started talking about how he was out grocery shopping and how he was getting toilet paper for him and his neighbor, but needed my help because he couldn't buy TP for himself and for his neighbor. I'm sure you guys remember when only one package of toilet paper was allowed per transaction. Actually, I do. Dark times. That was crazy. Yeah. He asked me if I could take the toilet paper for his neighbor, add to my transaction, then give it back to him after he was done checking out his items. He told me he would pay for it along with the item I was going to buy. As he was talking, I got a sinking feeling in my gut. I wanted to say no, but his ask for help seemed innocent enough, so I said yes. He handed me the toilet paper and a fat wad of cash, way more cash than my one item and TP would cost. My heart was racing, and I hated the situation I had gotten myself into, so I decided why not strike up a conversation with this creepy guy while we're waiting in line, right? It's like, what else do you do in a situation like that? Yeah, humanize yourself, you know? Yeah. See what his vibe is, really suss it out? I don't know. I started asking him questions, and all of his replies were flat, one-word responses. Okay, this is immediately weird. I asked him if he was from the area, and he said that he was from Anchorage, Alaska. Shout out to the last story. <laughs> um, I had just gotten back from Anchorage and told him that I had visited there to see the start of the Iditarod the annual dog sled race. We need to go. You want to see we a dog need to sled go. race? I need to go see the dog sled race. That'd be fun. And he looked at me with an expressionless face and said, never heard of it. That's when I knew this guy was for sure sketchy and had to be lying. Maybe I'm wrong in assuming this, but my guess is people from Anchorage know what the Iditarod is. My turn in the checkout line was quickly approaching, and I remember making the decision that I did not trust this guy and that I needed to get away from him as fast as possible and make the old GTFO move. You're freestyling now? No, I added some spice. <laughs> okay. um, as I started to walk up to the cashier, he said to, quote, meet me outside. And my gut told me that if I met him outside, he would abduct me. At this particular Walmart, they always had someone checking receipts as people exit the store. I did some quick thinking and realized I needed to have separate receipts so that I could give him the receipt for his toilet paper and keep the receipt for my item. That way, I didn't have to go outside with him. Once my transaction was complete, I walked over to the entrance of the store to wait for him to complete his transaction. I remember walking by the billboard with all the pictures of missing people and thinking, my face can't be on that wall. That is so eerie. Yeah. After a minute or so, he finished his transaction and walked up to me at the entrance. I offered him the TP, cash, and receipt. He refused to take it and adamantly urged me to come outside with him. Mm -mm. I firmly said no and told him he could take the TP now. He said how he just needed some help carrying all the groceries out to his car. Again, I firmly said no, that he can do it himself, which he fully can. Then, sure enough, he brought up the receipt and how the employee would need to check the receipt for the toilet paper and my item so I might as well come outside with him. I said no one last time and told him I got separate receipts. Checkmate, bitch. Yeah, seriously. I shoved the TP to his chest since he was refusing to take it and tossed the receipt and cash at him. I turned away, half expecting he would grab me, and quickly walked away in search for my sister. Fortunately, he didn't follow me or call out to me, and I have never seen him again. When I found my sister, my whole body was shaking, and it took me a few minutes to calm down. I will never know if the guy actually had a plan to abduct me, but he really spooked me and my gut told me to get away from him. Also, what grown man needs help taking toilet paper out to his car? In the end, nothing bad happened. But I wanted to share this story to be a reminder that you should always be careful and listen to your gut even when you are in a crowded place or someone you know is close by 
or the person is asking for something seemingly innocent. Catherine. Damn, Catherine, that's really scary. Like, 100%. Like you said, it like is seemingly innocent, but that's a very threatening situation. Yeah, I mean, you can tell he's giving these one-word answers. You can tell he's lying about something's where he's off. from. Something's off. He is insisting that you come out to his car even after you've provided him a way to just go. The extra cash, everything's weird. Even if this person seemed like kind enough and wasn't giving you weird answers, even if your gut was telling you not to go out to this person's car, don't go. Like yeah, don't you go. don't owe this person anything. Like at this point, you've done this person a favor. Like right. which is more than you had to do in the first place. And like you said, what middle-aged man needs help carrying a roll of toilet paper or a package of toilet paper out to their car. Yeah, what the like, fuck is this? I'm you, not an Instacart shopper. You simply don't need help. If they needed help carrying a roll of toilet paper out to their car or a package of toilet paper, there are people for that. That right. They can get an employee to help them bring things out to their car. That's not your job to put yourself in a, a potentially dangerous situation. So yeah, this is one of those situations where you did the absolute right thing. You do not need to put yourself in a potentially dangerous situation and like be polite because you don't owe anyone anything. Yeah, 100%. And it's just so weird if he's like a stocky man, I almost feel like I'd be like, oh, you can't, you can't carry a pack of toilet paper, you know? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, like I know that in the situation, like obviously it was more fucking scary, but just like from an outside perspective, it's like, really, dude? Yeah, it's you definitely can't carry paper. Right. It's also like you have those situations where you can look back and be like, oh, I could have said this. I could have said that. Oh, yeah. But it's also maybe not the best to like antagonize a potentially harmful person <laughs> in a situation where you're like being threatened potentially. Yeah, don't do that. Like maybe don't do that. Maybe you just remove yourself and like get away from the harmful person. <laughs> like. Yeah, I mean, she did the right thing. Absolutely, I think, you know. like 100%. But I, I Sometimes do, I, I can't help but think I do understand. That I might fuck with the person. No, I do understand your impulse and like coming from like a man's perspective, like I do understand why that would be your impulse to be like, oh, you can't, uh, but like coming <laughs> coming from like a, a young woman's perspective where like a middle-aged man who's like quite stocky could be very threatening. Yeah. And like going out to their car in like a parking lot, even if it's the middle of the day, is not a safe no. situation. Because yeah, like, if you, can you put this in my trunk for me, yeah, parking lots are dangerous. People get abducted in parking lots all the time, even if it's the middle of the day. I mean, you got to be very aware of your surroundings all the time. As a woman, I mean, unfortunately, that's just how it is in the world now. Like, it really sucks. But, like, honestly, that's what it seems like he was trying to do is get you out to the parking lot by yourself and most likely trying to get you in his car. It, like, it, that's just what it seems like to me. Yeah. So, yeah, honestly, very glad you're okay. Very glad you listened to your gut, followed your instincts, and did not go outside because yeah, fuck that guy. you do not owe anyone anything. And... And amen to the Hell yeah. But at this point, it's past midnight. It is my bedtime. We have, uh, we've told so many good stories. And I'd like to tell more. So like I said in the beginning, send them, please. Because this was a we'll good one. We'll tell them. We'll tell them. And we'll enjoy it. Yeah. We had a lot of fun. And there was, I did. it's well written. Yeah. Some jokes killed. Yeah. These were really good. These were yeah. very well written. You guys are great. So thanks for that. Straight up. You make my job very easy. <laughs> Do you have anything you'd like to add before we get on to our good things? Nope, I'm good. What is your good thing? Uh, my good thing is that I'm going to North Carolina for a family reunion uh, that has not, it happens every two years, but it hasn't happened in four because of COVID. I'm excited for the fam. I'm excited to golf. I'm excited for the beach. I'm pumped. That's my good thing. What is your good thing? My good thing is that I, while you are in North Carolina, will be in New York. I'll be hanging out with my fam. The and... York? Yeah. Yes, the York, as if anyone calls it that. Um, <laughs> I will be hanging out with my family, going in the pool, which I love so very much. And I'll be with my friends and eating egg sandwiches and pizza and bagels. 
all the things that I love so much. Um, probably gonna hit the beach because why not? It's the summer on Long Island. What else do you do? And the Hamptons. And the Hamptons. So yeah, that's my good thing. But also, it'll be nice to just like have a nice little relaxing moment right before we have the uh, move of a lifetime. Yeah, the the shitstorm. Dare I say that is our cross country move? But also, maybe I shouldn't say shitstorm. Maybe I shouldn't project that onto it because it's going to be so um... fun. A move storm. Yes. Listen, some people say that doing a major move is one of the most stressful things a person can do. And I'm here to tell you that... They're right. They're right. (laughs) (laughs) But also... And I'm I'm here to say that those people are correct. But also, (laughs) we are going to have some fun. That could be a good thing, too, because we're going to do a cross-country road trip and we're going to have some fun. So that's cool. But... Also, is going to be a little stressful, so that's that's fine. Anyway, whatever. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you would like to look at all the pictures we post of all the stories we talk about, check us out on Instagram at nottoday underscore podcast. If you would like to check out the bonus episode that came out last week, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash nottodaypodcast. If you would like to send in a listener story of your own and possibly have it told on one of these listeners episodes send it to notodaypodcast at gmail.com we have a tiktok that is not today podcast and a twitter that is not today podcast but the t on the end of podcast is a three because that makes sense and just keep breathing yeah yeah